The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. We have been walking through the book of Ephesians, and um, we will we'll continue that this morning. Randy talked about being in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. But, but before we get there this morning, we have to do uh, some work. Um, and so what I'd like to do, uh, first and foremost, is kind of show you where we've been uh, in Ephesians. I think this is a, a marking of a, a transition in the book of Ephesians. Um, we've been talking a lot about individual uh, what it means the gospel applies to the individual and individual salvation and that work. And now we're going to make a transition seeing the, the work of the gospel when it comes to a community, when it comes to a group of people. And so that will be our goal this morning as we walk through Ephesians. So why don't you go ahead and, and join me in the book of Ephesians. Um, if you've been here for a while, I said the last time your, your Bible should automatically kind of fall there. If you've been with us a while, because I don't know, this is our 15th Sunday or something like that, and we've been, we've been here and walking through it. But um, if you take a look at the book of Ephesians, it, it starts out with Paul. Paul's writing this letter to a church plant that he planted on a missionary a journey, and he's writing back to this church. And, and we, we really see the plan of redemption. He lays that out in the beginning of Ephesians. And so uh, really after his, his opening um, just greetings to him. He really jumps into it hard, just is just just spitting out truth. Um, so really, this section three through fourteen is just packed with stuff. And basically, if you look at it as summary, as we got finished with this summary, uh, this this part of Ephesians, we said, okay, let's look at it and summarize it, saying, okay, we see the work of the Father in the first couple of verses in election, and then we see the work of the Son in redemption in the middle verses in this section, and then we see the work of the the Spirit and protection and sealing us as a believer, being in Christ. But I wanted to share, um, just read you some, some facts about being in Christ and what that means and what you possess being in Christ. And then through these verses, it says, you are blessed, you are chosen, you are predestined, you are adopted, you're, an ex- you're accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, given an inheritance, sealed, and assured. So, I was hoping to get an amen there when I was doing it in my head and practicing. So I'll do it one more time. In Christ, we are blessed, chosen, predestined, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, and given an inheritance, sealed, and insured. Amen. All right, man. Background, I've come from a Baptist background, so you can see that bleeding in a little bit when I talk. So just trying to feel comfortable, get, get the crowd in, involved in, in this message. But um, if you continue to look at this outline of Ephesians, this next part, we jump into 15 through 23, and we see that uh, Paul enters a, a time of thanksgiving for, for the faithfulness of the Ephesian church and then a prayer for them specifically. And they're praying that, he's praying that they would know, they would know God's wisdom and power. And we talked a lot about uh, uh, an experiential knowledge, not just a head knowledge, just not reading in a book or, or a facts, but actually knowing it in your own heart, seeing it true in your life. Um, so we walk through that. Um, and then in chapter 2, we, we spend some heavy Sundays looking in chapter 2 about Christ's work in our, where, where we stood before we were saved in Christ. 
And uh, it starts out in 2.1. It says, You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirits that is now in work in the sons of disobedience. It jumped to 4. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of this great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so we talked a lot about that. It wasn't us. We didn't save ourselves. It's not on our own merit. It's by grace and grace alone, through faith alone, which, which we see in, in 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your doing. It is a gift of God. And really hammer that, spent some time looking at that. And, and a lot of this really goes to our flesh and we want to be prideful and say, well, wait a minute, I, I did raise my hand. I did come down the aisle. I, I did something. But the fact that we'll see, and as we, we go through our, our text this morning too, that this was a gift of God. Uh, God is the author of salvation. And so we, we, we finished last week. Last week was um, verse 10. Uh, we covered about good works, and it says, I'll read it for us. It says, for, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And one of Randy's big points was to getting the, the order right. It's, it's not work, then salvation. It's salvation, then work. Um, we, are, we are saved to work. We are not saved by works. Um, and so what we will do is I, I opened up and said, okay, now we're going to make this transition. See, all that was about you individually. This is what Christ has done on your behalf in this relationship he's brought you in. And now we'll make a transition to see about how salvation affects a collective, how it affects society, really, how it affects a body of, of Christ. And so just a summary of where we're going today. Salvation is, is for all without regard to race. Um, it, it makes all people one in Christ. And, and, and I feel like my, my role today as we sat down and broke down these scriptures was really to tee it up for the next two Sundays for these two guys. Because we got to do a lot of background work, and then we'll see the application of God reconciling men, uh, not just to himself, but to each other. And particularly what we'll do, and what I'll do this morning, is, is talk about this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. And how God, uh, if you look in, at the New Testament church, there's all these questions going on about, we got these Gentiles coming into this, the church, and you got Jewish believers, and they're mixing, and they come from different cultures and backgrounds, and they, they have a lot of questions. Like, what, how do we handle this? What do we do? Um, and we see that, that what God has done is really make one new people from two. And then we'll, the, this section of Ephesians ends up in, in three, uh, starting in chapter three, just showing that we have a responsibility to share this gospel with other people. So this morning before we, we start in, in 11 and 12, I just wanted to pull an application, just talk about this, this issue as a whole, as, as we're going to look at the Jews and Gentiles being reconciled to one another. Um, and it goes back to the fall. So if you, if you think about what happened in, in the Bible, we see in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything. Uh, the heavens and earth, he creates man, and they had this relationship. He creates Adam and Eve, um, and they're in perfect union together. And then we see in chapter 3, the fall occurs. And so... What happens there is that, that sin enters a relationship with uh, the Adam and Eve were given really one rule to keep and one command to keep to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was all God said. Do not partake of it. Everything else is yours. 
anything, everything in here is yours. You're to, you have a job to, to take care of it, to be over it. But this is your one rule. And we know what happened, right? So we know, we see that, that Satan enters the scene. He tempts Eve and, and starts to question God uh, in her mind. And so we see what she starts. Then Adam is there passive. He, he completes and confirms by partaking of this fruit, the forbidden fruit. And then we see this fracture. So sin enters the world. And, and what we see, obviously, when we look at that, we think about, okay, this, this relationship between God and, and Adam and Eve is broken. And that's what a lot of the Bible is. But sin affected more than just that relationship. It, refl- it affected Adam and Eve's relationship. We see they were naked and they, they knew no shame. And all of a sudden, the first thing they do is they're shameful. They, they realize it and, and they, they clothe themselves. And so you see, once they had a perfect union and that's broke. So we see relationships are broke. And then we also see, we, Justin talked about it last week too, some of just creation, the earth is groaning to be reconciled back to God. I mean, it, sin affected everything. Um, and so I, I say that um, just the, to make the point um, that sin makes relationships difficult. I mean, that's the bottom line. Sin makes relationships difficult. It's not easy. And, and so every marriage, every family, every church, every community, every nation struggles to maintain harmony and peace. I mean, that's a struggle there. And it's a result of the fall going back to chapter 3. And so that's why, as a church, um, we, we, we do studies like this. We do the women's study and have a passion to look at relationships because we know the. It's, it's not just something that happened now. I mean, this is a result of sin. And, and how, do we, how do we approach that through the gospel? Uh, we have resources on the back table. It's, it's about marriage. We have stuff, uh, books on marriage and how to, to work through those issues. Because, once again, relationships are difficult. We, see parent, we have uh, resources on parenting. Um, Jonathan mentioned uh, before the service, he's been uh, a part of a marriage conference for years. That is excellent. That goes to every year. And I talked to Randy. And we really... We would, I mean, like, just like that. I mean, we see the importance of that as a church because of sin and relationships that we want to push people to that. And so if, to give you an example uh, of difficulty, um, I'll go ahead and, and say with, with marriage, uh, it, it's obviously difficult. Me and Keitra and our, our, our marriage, it's, I would say it's a great marriage, but it's not to say that it doesn't have its faults, doesn't have its difficulties uh, because of our sin nature in itself. And, and probably the best example is, is family and, you know, being a parent, how difficult that is in itself. I mean, you have desire, you love your kids, you want to do, and then in the, the next moment you're like, they're driving me crazy, you know? And, and so um, what happened, when I, this is the second time I've, I was able, I've been able to share here at Docs. And the first time, you know, I was real nervous. It's the first time I ever preached in front of anybody or gave a message. And, and um, so after the service, you know, I should have been doing good, you know? Like I just had, you know, been faithful to the Lord and was able to preach. I should, I should be, you know, in pretty good standards. Should be doing pretty good. But anyway, it was Mother's Day. And Clara, our oldest, man, she was whining as much as she could. She was crying. She wanted to go play with Sophia, their daughter. And I'm like, the day is not about you. It's, your, it's Mother's Day. It's about mom. We've got to spend time with mom. And she's crying, you know, turning red. It's not going everywhere. She's just, just absolutely crying and bawling. And I'm getting frustrated more and more frustrated. And uh, so anyway, we're leaving. Everybody else has left. Me and Randy are packing up, and the, the kids are riding with me. And I'm trying to, to talk to Claire and say, you know, the day is not about you. It's about your mom. 
anyway, I, I lose it. I ended up taking the door. I, I had to get out the door to throw some trash away or something. And I come back to the car, and she's still boo-hooing, crying, just hysterical. And I take the door, and I slam the door, and I look back at her, and, and then I look, and Randy's coming around the corner. He's like, <laughs> and, and what I wanted to do was like, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'll see you next week. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, I'm like, I, I just totally blew it, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, but anyway, I, I, what I did was I told Randy, I rolled down the window. I said, um, I said Randy, pray for me that I won't strangle these kids before we get home. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. So I did not strangle them before I got home. So that's, that's a plus. I was doing a little good there. But the funny thing about it, is that Claire heard me say that. So we're almost home. You know, things cool down a little bit. And she goes, Daddy, would you really strangle me? And I was like, oh, we're just driving. So then I had to confess to her, repent to her. Said, no, baby. No, I'm sorry. Daddy was just saying that. It's just it's a figure of speech. You know? <laughs> so um, I wanted to share that. So it is difficult. And, and because that is sin, it's in relationships, relationships between each other and our marriage and our family. Um, we see it in nations. You can turn on the television. There's always one group that's not, um, it's against another group. We see that uh, throughout the world. And so we really want to see in this next, what Ephesians starts to teach us is that in this section we see that Jesus is as, as the Prince of Peace. And he is the key to unity in the church He's the key to unity in your relationships. Um, and, and so just as, I mean, I think we're, if you've been around church for a while, you get the fact that Christ alone can bring you in a right relationship with God. But it's equally as true, Christ alone can bring you into a right relationship with other people. And so that's what our journey is going to be. Um, we'll do some background today, and, and, and these guys will really have the opportunity to flesh that out as we continue throughout our study of Ephesians. So from an application from that truth for us, for DOXA, you know, I, I prepare and I think, okay, what does this mean for us individually and then what does this mean for a church? And so for a church, I would have you pray. We really need prayer for unity. Um, and I thank God, I thank God uh, quite frequently that God has given us that. He has graced us. He has blessed us with that unity as, as a body. Um, but I don't want to lose sight of that. Be thankful and continue to ask for it. Um, I think uh, it's, it's really neat to, for mine and Randy and, and Justin's relationship that, that we kind of line up uh, biblically and theology and everything up, but we also line up relationally. And I think that bleeds through and it sees and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a blessing. And I don't want us to lose sight of that blessing. So I would ask you to continue to pray uh, for us individually as leaders, but also for this whole body. And understanding the gospel when things don't go right. Um, I talked, one of the first times I got to speak when we were meeting in the um, rec center was that you know, things are going to go bad. You know, something, something's going to happen. We see in Acts that everything's good. They're meeting. They're breaking bread. Everything's great. You know? And then all of a sudden there, a, a dispute arises. A, a complaint arises that these widows are being overlooked. And so we know that it's, it's coming, but we need to be prepared. We need to understand the gospel to, to help us usher us through that. So... That's my, and I would ask you to do and pray for that for us as a church. So why don't we go ahead and jump into Ephesians. If you join me in chapter 2, verse 11. It 
says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so what... That, that, you know, just to pick out some key verses in here, we see the, the issues of Gentiles and we see the issues of, of, of circumcision. So that's, that's my goal this morning is to give that background and, 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 ex, and explain that out. So if you first start with just the word Gentile, if you just look at what that word means in, in the Greek, it's ethnos, in which it means uh, from our word for, um, for ethnic. And really when you take a look at it, what it means, it just means non-Jewish. So you are... You already got two big divides here. It's like the Jews and, the, and everybody else. So, I mean, and, and what you see and what we walk through is that, okay, in their eyes, we got the good guys and then we got the bad guys. And um, unless you are Jewish in here, um, I don't know if anybody is, but I would say the vast majority of us here are on the Gentiles or the bad guy team as you look at it in, in Scripture uh, from uh, a certain point up until we get to Christ. Um, so... When did this separation occur? Because we already talked about Genesis 1. We all come from Adam and Eve. We all started in the same line. So when did this separation occur? And that's what we're going to do this morning. We'll, we'll actually, I'll try to summarize, hit some key texts as we flip through Genesis, uh, the beginning of Genesis, really all the way up to the call of Abraham in chapter, chapter 12. So if you'll go ahead and, and mosey on down to the beginning of your Bible... We see, I've already talked about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and 3, the fall. So we know that, that sin has entered the world and, and, it, and it came into the world by just breaking a commandment, what God had told him not to do, right? And so we quickly see in, in chapter 4, we get to Cain and Abel. So what happens there? Murder. So we see how quickly it escalates, how sin quickly ex- escalates. So we see that, that Cain, Adam and Eve's firstborn child, actually out of jealousy, murders his brother. And then um, in Genesis, we'll, we'll go to, f- to five. We'll see just an account of Adam's descendants to Noah. And uh, we'll spend some time here in chapter six, um, really in verses five through eight. We'll look at that. I'll read that for us in Genesis chapter six. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he'd made man on earth, and it grieved him in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and the animals and the creeping things and the birds of heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this really... This, these verses are the most negative um, declaration, declaration of sin in the Bible. When you, you see what God... And, and the point I wanted to pull out is really, again, how, how things had totally just escalated. From a standpoint of sinfulness and wickedness to say that, that every intention and thought of his hearts were only evil continually. And so, 
what I want to pull out this passage too is so often, uh, kind of explaining out verse 8, we want to put works in this passage, going back to what we just came out of Ephesians. That we want to put works in there, like Noah did something. But that, that's not there. That's not in these verses. We just see, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And, and so Noah wasn't a righteous mess, man on his own. He was a, a, a sinner among sinners. I mean, to put it another way, I mean, Noah was included in verse 5. That he was part of this that had every in, intention and thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And so what, do we, what, what happens? What, what is going on here? And so basically, uh, this word favor here, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, is, is also linked to the Hebrew word grace, which we've been studying about. And so we see that, um, that it really appears for the first time in the Bible and is echoed repeatedly throughout the Bible in the teaching that salvation is by grace through faith alone. And so God worked as he always has, as saving an ill-deserving sinner by grace and therefore enabling him to live righteous. Because that's what we go into this next verse in 9. It says, these are the generations of Noah, and Noah was a righteous man, blameless in the generation. And that's because what God had done in Noah's heart, enabling him to be righteous. And so what happens? We know... what happens here, sin is, is greatly increased, and what does God do? He brings a, he brings a flood. I mean, God says in, in, in 17, in chapter 6, take a drink of water. It says, For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is in the earth shall die, but... I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives and with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. So basically, God does this. He, he hits the reset button. We started with Adam and Eve. We see sin enter to the world, this, this greatness of sin. God hits the reset button with Adam, with, with Noah and his family. So we, we think things are good then, right? So God started back over. He's got this righteous guy. Things should just continue to be good. Well, if you, if you continue your march through Genesis, you'll see that um, they do, they're, they're given a command that's to, to be fruitful and multiply and increase greatly on the earth and multiply. But what happens is we run up into to chapter 11, and it's, it's the Tower of Babel. And so we see here, if you, if you just want to flip there in chapter 11, that uh, the whole earth had one language and spoke the same words. And so what happened? So out of, out of pride and rebellion, this group gets together and it tells us in the Bible, it says, Come, let us build ourselves a city and, and a tower with its tops in the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So out of this pride and rebellion, they, they, they build this tower. And then God comes down, sees what's going on, and, and, and says, okay, I've got, I got to break this up. And we know that in the Bible that, that God comes and he, he confuses their language and disperses them all over uh, the world. And so, therefore, 
its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused their language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. And what this is, remember what, why we started this journey was to say, okay, when, when did this division happen between the Jews and the Gentiles? When did this occur? And so this we see in 11, God setting up nations. And now we'll see in chapter 12, God setting apart a particular nation for his glory. So, and in, in, in that gets us to Genesis 12. I'll read the first three verses for us out of 12. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. So this really, this is a pivotal verse, it's a pivotal point in Genesis and in the history of the redemption as God begins to establish a covenant of people for himself. This is the beginning of the nation of Israel. And then we see this, this is the beginning. We'll see what God, and really a big part of Genesis is just God dealing with Abraham and then his whole family and Isaac and, and Jacob. And we see this covenant, God starts in 12. And if you keep flipping in, in 15, we'll see God here, he, he ratifies the covenant. And in 15 verse, chapter 15, verse 5, it says, And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven, the number the stars. If you were able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So once again, we, we, we see this parallel. We already saw Noah. You know, it was no, he didn't do anything. God just looked down with favor on him. So once again, we see with, with Abraham this core doctrine of justification by faith and not by works. Abraham didn't. All he did was believe, and, and we know from the Bible that God gave him the ability to believe in itself. And then, and in chapter 17, if you keep flipping, we're almost done our, our Bible study this morning. I know it's a lot to go through, but it's really trying to give the background, show this division and how long this division has been there between the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, we get the covenant of circumcision. And when I did, I'll, I'll give us a break here to... Before we jump into that, just to share, I was in a Bible study, and a guy was a fairly new believer, and we are going through the book of Acts, and through there, we, I talked about a lot of the issues of the Gentiles and the Jews coming together in their church, and, you know, this understanding and misunderstanding of a culture, and, and a lot about the, the Jews, the Gentiles need to be circumcised to come into the church. And we spent a lot of time in it, and he finally just spoke up one day. He's like, somebody's got to tell me what's going on with the circumcision stuff. I mean, I don't get it. And like, so he, he, was, he didn't know of this covenant back in Genesis that we're getting ready to talk about. And as I read these verses, I mean, just see that these are commands that they are supposed to do, they are just supposed to be faithful in. So in Genesis chapter 17, I'll read verses 9 through 14. It says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offsprings after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you 
shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring, but he, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So once again, I hope you see that these are commands that are given uh, to, to the Jews. And, and I talked about it already. I mean, like they, they kept them. And we see that this is something they held close to. What I want to do now is just make a transition out of Genesis and quickly look in Exodus. Uh, if you join me in Exodus 19. So we see what we've been doing is setting up these Jews being called apart, set apart. They got, you know, this certain, we'll see it in Exodus, laws given to them, ceremonies given to them to really set them apart from, from their culture. And so in Exodus 19, um, this is Moses. Uh, what we'll see here, the separation of Israelites from other nationalities is increased by the establishment of the Mosaic law in Exodus 19. I want to read 3 through 6 for us. It says, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the people of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, I will, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and, of hol- and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And so, why did, I mean, we see God calling out in, in this verse saying, that I'm calling you out particularly to be a special people for me. And so what was the purpose of that? That's the next place my brain goes, okay, what, why? Why did God do this? And, and it I'll tell you why. One reason it was not, it was not because of their righteousness. In Deuteronomy 9, we see that God tells them, no, this, you're nothing special. I didn't do this just for you. It's not because you're the greatest or you're the least. I, I did this for me. I chose you. And, um, but he also did this as separating them out to really protect them. We see that he, he, he teaches them that, you know, I'm doing this. I'm setting you apart uh, so you, your, your sons won't intermarry and you won't be... Um, I guess influenced negatively by the Gentile nations, these pagan nations that are worshiping other gods. Um, and he, he basically tells them that these Gentile nations, they're going to be a snare to you if you intermingle with them. But what I want to do now is, is go back to what we talked about relationships and sin in the fall. Because what happened with the Jews, with this being set out, set apart, what happened? Their sin nature caused them to, to really take this relationship and see it in a totally wrong light. They use this being called apart, being set apart from all, everybody else to fuel prejudice, to fuel this disdain, and to fuel this hatred towards the Gentiles. And so the, the Jews missed God's ultimate point uh, for Israel to be a distinct people, and that was to point the Gentiles to God himself. It's to point them to ultimately to a redeemer, 
to a Messiah that would come out come back and reconcile all things. And so for us as a church, I just want to kind of draw a parallel between the Jews at this time and the Gentiles and, and where we stand now as a church, uh, as a believer in Christ versus those who are outside of Christ. Those are your two divisions now. It was Jew and Gentile, and now in the, where we live with, with Christ coming and reconciling people back, we, we live in this parallel between the Christian and the non-Christian. And what should that do? I want to, I want to, I want to use this text to show that we, we don't need to fall in this trap of Israel. We don't need to... To, to have this pride and this disdain and this prejudice rise up because we are Christian and these are non-Christians. Like what, God, what we are supposed to do is to point them to Christ, is to, to show compassion. And I, and I pray that as a, as a church that we do that. We, we don't get caught up and get sucked down because we've been called apart and set apart for God's glory and we have this special relationship with, with God and look with disdain and look down on those who are not. It will fuel a compassion for us. It will fuel evangelism for us. Um, that we would, we would go to them and just present them this, the good news. Present them what Christ has done in reconciling us back to God. So if we, we, we're going to jump back into Ephesians. Now I did all this, this background work. I, th- I thank you for your attention and, and, and marching with me through there to really set up this, this calling apart, this, this vast divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. And we'll see, I want to hit some of these verses real quick in Ephesians 11. So going back to the statement, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. I want to kind of walk this out a little bit. This, this is not a, this term, you, the uncircumcision, it's not a term in endearment. You know, it's not a, it's not, uh, it's very derogatory. It's, it's it, it likened to our days as saying that that's a bleep. I'll put your, you can fill out the bleep. You know, he is a bleep when you're looking at across races or across different things. Um, and so this term is very derogatory in itself. Um, but we also see if we, if we, when I studied this and looked in here, what Paul's doing is also, is telling them when he uses this, the phrase by the, called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. It's, it's a jab back at the Jews. It's saying it's, it's not just about this act that we talked about in, in Genesis 17 where this physical act. There's a spiritual aspect that, that, that the Jews totally missed. In Deuteronomy and, and Jeremiah, it talks about this circumcision of the heart. And so what do we know about God? That he doesn't look on as man sees. He doesn't look on the outside. He looks upon the heart of man. And so this is the point of this, what's going on here is that you're talking about this circumcision in the flesh, but you're missing the point of this circumcision of the heart. Um, and circumcision of the heart, is, it really implies, when you, I was looking at the study, a total devotion to God. They, they had totally missed it. And so, um, and now that we, we did all this background work, I hope 12 kind of is, is going to be a little easier for us to kind of walk through. And so if we look at 12, it says, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so this is true. This is a true statement outside of Christ, outside of being saved by grace alone through faith alone. This is true. This is the lot that the Gentiles had. They were without Christ. 
They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They had no hope and they were without God. And so this being without Christ, it's being without a savior, it's being out a deliverer, it's, it's having no divine purpose or destiny. Um, and I think we read that and going back to our compassion we have to, should have for other people without Christ is just to sit on that weight of what that means. And I think to do that is you, you really got to see what Christ means to you individually. And then you can see and have an appreciation of what Christ does for you in your daily walk with him and to imagine walking through that without him. And then this, this, the issue of they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So Israel was called a commonwealth, as, as we saw, because they were governed by laws different from all other people. Uh, Moses you know, went up on the mountain, comes out with the stone tablets, and he had the Ten Commandments, and they had all these, these ceremonial laws. The book of Leviticus has got a bunch of stuff about you know, how they're supposed to wash and where they're supposed to be, and if a woman has a baby, she just goes outside of the camp. So they had all these laws that, that, that really set them apart from the Gentiles. Um, and so we see that they had privileges unknown to the rest of the world. I mean, we're talking about God telling them that I will be your God. I am going to make you into a great nation. These, no, these Gentiles, nobody else had that. Nobody else had that relationship. In Romans, Paul talks about he gives them privileges that Israel had. You know, had the prophets. They had the law. They had these vast privileges, but they missed it. Um, and so really, we're all in the same boat, and that's what Randy talked about, religion. We can be, have a religion and miss it, and we can be just running with the world and miss it too. We can be on both sides of the fence and totally miss the heart of God. Um, so... And just think about these blessings that they had. Um, God himself, uh, from whose unique blessing protection they benefited. And you think about, we, we, we just barely touched in Exodus and Moses bringing out the Israelites. And like God providing for them, giving them manna every day, giving them food. And they're in the desert walking around. He gives them a cloud to get some shade under. He gives a fire at night. You know, they're looking for water. They start grumbling. He gives them water out of rock. I mean, God is providing for this nation. And so then we also see that they are strangers from the covenants of promise. So ultimately there is but one covenant of grace. This is it's plural here. It says strangers of the covenants of promise. But what we did is we walked through all the different covenants pointing to the one covenant of grace. Um, we went through the Noahic covenant with Noah and his family. We went to Abrahamic covenant with him and his descendants. And then we talked about Moses and his covenant he had with Israel itself. Um, and it's really called the covenant of grace to distinguish it, going back to this issue that we just got out of in Ephesians about works. It's the covenant of grace because it's opposite of the covenant of works that we see that Adam had. It's to, to keep this. And, and, and under that covenant, the man was to do all things. But under the covenant of grace, man is to receive all things. So we see this big difference here. And, and I hope we see that. It's just not, just doesn't show up in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, this issue of grace. I mean, it's, it's through the whole Bible. Um, and they were without hope. I mean, that's kind of obvious. How, how could they have hope? How could they have hope if they were without Christ? How could they have hope if they were aliens from the commonwealth, these blessings from God? And how could they have hope if, if they didn't know of this covenant of promise? And that they are without God in this world. Um, and so I hope, my hope is kind of parallel for us too. I've already talked about it as a church that we see this, that we have, through these verses, we can look on an unbeliever with compassion. 
and that we, we would hurt for them and not uh, approach them in, in a way that, that we, are, we, have been, we are haughty or we have pride. There, there, should be no, there, should no be, there should not be any pride in a Christian's life when it, they're, they're dealing with a, a non-believer. So to wrap things up, um, going to 11 and 12, Paul, he, he tells them to remember, remember these things. And so what's, he, he's telling them to remember that at one time this was your lot. This is how you stood. Um, and if you're here as a believer, then I would say to remember that. Remember that at one time you were not a believer. Um, Remember that God has brought you into his family. And, out of, and what should that do? God, continually in, in the Bible, he's calling us to remember for what reason? Is to, remember, is, is to bring a, a spirit of gratitude, of being thankful for what God's done in your life, and also to sharpen your faith, to, to strengthen your faith, that God has done this for you, and he's going to be with you as you continue along beside him. And so, What happened? You know, this is all background. So what happened? We had this vast division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And these guys had the privilege of saying what happened. As we go through this next couple verses uh, and these next couple Sundays, we'll see that, that, that the Jews and Gentiles are brought to God through Christ Jesus. We'll see that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse, verse 6. I'll read it for us. Ephesians 3, 6 is that this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So you see that the, the, the opposite here, what we just walked through, that now we see they're heirs. They're not aliens. They're members of the same body. They're not, they're not without. They're, they're partakers. They, they have this promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so ultimately, in Christ, if you look at Galatians, if you take a, a flip back, in my Bible is just one page back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, verse 29. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is, there is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, his heirs according to the promise. And so what we see is that, that all those who are in Christ by faith are Abraham's offspring. This is where we're grafted in as Gentiles into Abraham's offspring. And, and this where you talk about, I mean, we could... We could spend a lot of time talking about this, and we've already spent some of the time in our leadership time together looking at this issue. Okay, the church now, how does the church relate to Israel? Um, but ultimately, we, from this verse, we see that, that by faith in Christ, that you are Abraham's offspring and, and an inheritor of all the promises made to, the, made to him or made to Israel by virtue of your union with Christ. Abraham's blessings comes to all the families of the earth so what Paul was doing here is he was really showing, and, and it, for this truth kind of helps you interpret the rest of his letters, that, that knowing that, that Paul is presenting an equal opportunity salvation. It's not for one in particular group. It's for everyone. 
This message is not just for, for this group and this ethnic and this time period. It's for everybody. It's not saying that, that everybody's going to be saved and, every, and God's just going to save everybody. It's saying that the message is open for everybody. There's no discrimination in this message of salvation. So I hope um, as we walk through this, maybe God's just kind of triggered some stuff, especially with the Noah seeing that he is, he is righteous just because God found favor in his eyes. It's not because he was obedient afterwards. Uh, that's a big thing I hope that you see that God gave him the ability to be obedient, to build the ark, to do what God had called him to do after God found favor in his eyes. And I pray that, that today it would, it would help you have a compassion for those who are outside of Christ. And I pray that it would, would, would help you see that sin affects relationships all across the board, from marriage to, to raising children to your work relationship with coworkers to global levels between nations. And know and trust and, and, and know that through the gospel, through your relationship with Christ, he can make those relationships come together and be reconciled. So why don't I pray for us and we'll have some more time to worship Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I do thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that I had the opportunity just to sit before this week and, and study it. Lord, I pray that... Um, this would just be a way to serve this body here. Lord, I pray that um, this, this reality that, that being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, is, is a theme that runs through your whole word. I pray that, I pray that people would, would, would take opportunities to, to use the resource table, to see where, not to fake that, that, that their relationships are difficult, Lord, that, um, that things are tough, and I pray that we'll be able to walk beside each other with the open and honesty that things are tough, if it's in our marriage, if it's in our homes, if it's parenting, if it's whatever. It's between um, this body and here. As I, as I asked for prayer earlier, Lord, that we would be unified, we would have harmony, Lord, that, um, that through that it would bleed through to other people. Lord, I pray that when the issues come up that we would be able to, to come to a brother in love Lord, I, I do thank you so much, Lord, that you have given us, you have graced us with that, that you have brought us together. Lord, that we are on not only the same page, but Lord, we're on the same paragraph, we're on the same sentence about why you have called us to, to plant this church. And it's not for our glory, it's for your glory, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that um, you would build this body up. As Randy talked about earlier, you would bring members as as we are a church plan, and we need for you to build this body up, to bring those who are to serve and to use their gifts that you've given them, Lord. I pray for those who come that are in a season that just need to be healed and just need to just take in your grace and your glory. Lord, I thank you for this time, this privilege you've given me to be able to open up your word in front of your daughters and sons. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.